When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central. Simpler communications. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're back again today. We got the Week 14 preview, the second part, which means we got the late Sunday afternoon games, the Sunday night, the Monday night game, and of course, we have a mailbag segment for you guys at the end of the show. And today, we are at the home studios, which means we are live on sportscaster.com as we speak right now. Very exciting. For those of you wondering about Sportscaster, want to check out the live streams when they come out on Thursdays and Fridays for the preview episodes, you can always go to sportscaster.com at MDFF Belly Up USN. That's what you can do all the time. We are always around. And of course, if you miss a stream, you can always check it out on the website, www.mdffshow.com with all the latest video streams there, all the latest audio streams, all the latest up-to-date rankings for week 14 are up there as well. Lots of things you can do to check out the website there as well. Of course, make sure you're following one of my networks, Unwrapped Sports, Belly Up Sports, as we are both on Sportscaster and are doing great, great things. But we got a big-time show for you guys today that we got to get into because we are previewing the Week 14, rest of the Week 14 matchups, I should say, for the rest of this episode. And at the end of the show, we're also going to go over, like I said yesterday, some things that may be coming up in the show for next year that you guys have to look forward to, that some things are going to be improving upon, always doing our best to be as informative and as entertaining as we possibly can for you, the fans, to enjoy and use this as a tool. But before we get into all of that, we have the recap show from last night that we got to talk about first. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. 
After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. The Dallas Cowboys, a real quick on them before we get into a fantasy perspective. How do you lose that game? I know it's in Chicago. I know Chicago is a tough defense. How do you lose that game? How? How is it possible to lose that game? You cannot lose the Chicago Bears with Mitchell Trubisky, who's been playing like crap on offense, and your defense just flat out not show up. And after this entire week of everyone trying to light a fire under the coach's ass, to respond like this against the Chicago Bears is a travesty. And now, all of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation where, do you wait until the end of the season to fire Jason Garrett? You probably do, because you have to wait and see what the Eagles do against the Giants on Monday to see who's still going to be in first place come Tuesday morning. But if the Eagles win, I think it's going to come down to the Cowboy-Eagle game. That's what I think. When these two teams match up against each other, because before Week 17, the winner of that game will probably be the division winner. And if the Cowboys are the loser of that game, Jason Garrett is going to be finding himself fired the very next day. I don't know how you lose that game. Chicago didn't even play that well. Dallas just didn't tackle, and that's all it came down to. But from a fantasy perspective, that's what we're talking about here. And Dak was fine. He wasn't great, but he was fine. Over 334 yards, had a touchdown pass. Got a lot of it in junk time, but it doesn't matter. That's what fantasy football sometimes is all about. It's all about the junk time at the late. At the late. It's those last couple of series you can get at the end of the game. Now, he didn't add much in the way of rushing, but this wasn't a bad performance if you stuck with Dak Prescott, who had been a QB1 for you this year. Not a bad performance at all. Ezekiel Elliott came to shine for playoff teams. We have talked about all year how Elliott has not quite been the high-end RB1 that we drafted him to be or expect him to be at this point. And he did not disappoint in this game. And with Akeem Hicks back, there was some question as to how well he would be able to run the football because the Chicago Bears had all their defensive players back that made him such a good run defense at the beginning of the year in the first place. But in this one, Ezekiel Elliott goes for 19 carries, 81 yards, two rushing touchdowns, tax on just two catches for 12 yards. But you don't care about that has a big day for you here, came through for you guys when you needed it most, and I expect him to continue to do so. Next up, the wide receivers. Michael Gallup was a bad call by me. There's a few people who asked me about Michael Gallup. I said I didn't like the matchup too much for him. I thought Amari Cooper would be worked in a little bit more. I, didn't like, I don't like Michael Gallup as much on the road. He just shows he is a wide receiver three that's going to have wide receiver two potential every single week. Six catches, 109 yards on 10 targets. The big thing that I did not factor in, that I should have factored in, and that's my fault, is that Amari Cooper is clearly not 100%. And even not being 100%, he still has six catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown on eight targets. He still came through for you. He still gave you borderline wide receiver one production, which is what you're looking for at the end of the day. So you're not going to complain about his production. But it is clear, just watching him walk back to the huddle, walk back to the line of scrimmage, muscling through the pain. It's clear he's not even close to 100%. And while he has not been on the injury report leading into the games for the past two weeks, that means absolutely nothing. He was hindered all game long. And as as long as that continues, 
Michael Gallup's going to have to be involved the way that he is and somebody you can trust to play. I still say he's more of a high-end wide receiver three than a low-end wide receiver two because there's a lot of other wide receiver two options that have a much more prominent role in their offense. But right now, even though it might not be every single week, he is pretty consistent for that territory of wide receivers. And they have some good matchups coming up that they're going to be able to take advantage of that you're going to want to play Michael Gallup moving forward. On the bear side of the ball, we're still waiting to see what the severity of the David Montgomery injury is as of recording this episode early Friday morning. He did get banged up at the end of this game. He was playing well before he went out, though. And it was a lot of it was effectiveness because the Bears finally started reading, started, no, started playing a lot more read option. It started opening things up. Mr. Trubisky started running more. But as a result, David Montgomery against a pretty good defense most of the time. Had 20 carries and 86 yards. Had a good average. The only thing he didn't do really for you in this game was score a touchdown, and he was well on his way to a 100-yard game had he not gotten hurt at the end. Now, Mr. Trubisky himself was, was, was actually very good. 244 yards, three touchdowns, only one interception, but the biggest thing is that he ran for 63 yards and a touchdown. I know next week I'm going to get a lot of questions from people who are streaming quarterbacks and still in the playoffs heading into Week 15 about Mr. Trubisky being a streaming option. It's going to be a tough one to answer, and we're going to, we're going to go back. We're going to watch more in the game film on this one. I did watch the game, but we always go back and watch it again. We're going to do some more research, and I'll have a better answer for you next week. But as of right now, my retort to you would be this. If he's going to run the way that he ran last night, if they're going to run read option the way they did last night, then yes. Because with Mr. Trubisky, the whole thing was that he has to give you a floor with his legs, something he has not been doing this season. If they're going to start running more RPOs and doing the offense really the way that they should, then Mitchell Trubisky could find himself in streaming territory because of that reason, just like so many other subpar quarterbacks who do run the football that you find yourself asking that question. But we'll have a better answer for you guys next week. As far as the wide receivers go, Allen Robinson didn't get much yards, but all he does is score touchdowns. Five catches, 48 yards, two touchdowns on eight targets. They moved him around. He lined up in the slot quite a bit. They actually had motion. And not just him, but Anthony Miller as well, who had three catches for 42 yards and a touchdown. Yes, this is the second week in a row Anthony Miller has had a good week. No, I am still not going to trust him heading into next week's matchups. He still only had four targets on the day. He's still very much dependent on Taylor Gabriel not being able to come back. And if Gabriel is is able to come back next week, you find yourself in a situation where His targets go down, and he's not getting that many to begin with. Not enough to trust him in a playoff matchup. So no, I will not be telling you to play Anthony Miller next week. Let's just get that out of the way right now. But Allen Robinson, I will. Allen Robinson's going to be a high-end wide receiver three. Kind of similar mold of Michael Gallup. Where, Where Robinson has a lot of red zone potential, especially to continue to utilize him this way. And of course, he always has a much higher target share because he is the number one pass catcher on this team without a doubt. It's just a matter of do they utilize him. If Matt Nagy calls an offense the way that he did last night, bear players like Robinson, like Montgomery, if he's healthy enough, and maybe to a lesser degree, Mitchell Trubisky, are going to have fantasy value for you over the next two weeks or three weeks if you're in an amateur hour league and you actually play Week 17 for your championship leagues, which is a huge mistake, an absolutely huge mistake. But that wraps up our recap from last night's game. We're going to go ahead, we're going to move forward and get back to previewing for week 14 right here. 
And we're going to kick it off with the 4 o'clock game of the Los Angeles Chargers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, before we move on, real quick, I just want to drop a little tidbit for you. If you are watching this on Sportscaster right now, at the end of the show, we always do a mailbag segment. If you want to drop your fantasy football question in the chat, we will get to it as part of the episode at the end there. Just want to add that in. My way of shouting out all those who listen and watch MD Nation, or the MD Fantasy Football Show from MD Nation, I should say. Now, for the Chargers and the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, the big news in this game is that Gardner Minshew's back. He is. He's back at the quarterback position. Only took two and a half games for the Jaguars to realize Nick Foles was a huge mistake. Like I've been saying all year long. Like I was saying in the entire offseason. And now Gardner Minshew is back, not just to help try to spark this team, but he's also back to help this franchise. Because now moving forward, and this is another little general NFL tidbit real quick that we're going to go on. Now moving forward, all of a sudden you find yourself, you can't get out of Nick Foles' contract next season. But the only thing you can do is the fact that because Gardner Minshew is a rookie quarterback, because you're going to have him on a rookie deal for at least the next two years, you're going to be able to at least get away with the fact that you paid Nick Foles $20 million a year. It looks absolutely stupid, as it did when you signed him in the first place bidding against nobody. But at the very least, salary cap-wise, you'll be paying one quarterback $20 million and another quarterback true backup money with the rookie contract. So you'll find a way to get get away with it while having the better quarterback still being the starter, which is Gardner Minshew. This whole offensive value, they all go up. Not a lot as far as a fantasy perspective goes because Leonard Fournette can't average more touches than what he's been doing with Gardner Minshew than he was with Nick Foles. DJ Chark and D.D. Westbrook I don't think can be more productive than what they were with Nick Foles. I mean, I, I, they can be more productive, but from a volume standpoint, they're getting about the same amount of volume that they were anyway. So this isn't a situation where suddenly everyone gets a rise up, but the offense as a whole gets a rise up because the opportunities to actually score should go up because Gardner Minshew helps the offense play better and be more productive as a whole. So it's a slight tick up <clears throat> with more opportunities for red zone, which is what you care about at the end of the day. Now, Everyone else, you're playing as is. DJ Chark is still a low-end wide receiver, too, who has upside capabilities, even against a tough match against the Chargers. D.D. Westbrook is a low-end wide receiver, three, who has some potential as well because of game-playing ability. Leonard Fournette's an RB1. Gardner Minshew this week, as far as him goes, I, I don't have him quite as a high-end streaming type of quarterback that I normally would in this situation, because this is a tougher matchup. Now, I know the Chargers defense didn't play particularly well last week against the Denver Broncos, and I do have Gardner Minshew rated as the number 24 quarterback on the week if you go to www.mdffshow.com to check out those Week 14 rankings. But they do have a good defense. They do have Derwin James back. They should play. I expect them to play better defensively, which is why I don't have Gardner Minshew as a, excuse me, as a, top streaming quarterback this week. Now, next week, when they play Atlanta, it's going to be a totally different scenario. Totally different scenario. But that's next week. So as far as this week goes, keeping on to it, I would stay away from streaming Gardner Minshew this particular week. On the Chargers side of the ball, I think you have to trust who you have to trust. Keaton Allen, Melvin Gordon, I think Austin Eckler, you have to play him at this point in half point and full point PPR leagues in the flex at the very least. You can't stream Phillip Rivers. Mike Williams is the one where it becomes a little bit iffy. You have to play Hunter Henry. I know he was blanked out last week, but he's still a guy who has potential to be a top five tight end any given week. You still have to play him. 
So Mike Williams is the only one you kind of find yourself questioning. And for me, look, he had 100 yards last week, which is great. Phil Rivers has been throwing him more 50-50 balls down the field. He's been making great plays. He's been playing really well. Mike Williams, that is. But the thing that we find ourselves into, he still has not scored a touchdown. And he's still somewhat dependent on that because he's only had two games this year where he's gone over 100 yards. So when you find yourself in that situation, it's kind of like, well, what do you do now? And to me, Mike Williams against Jacksonville, not the greatest matchup in the world, and it's in Jacksonville. To me, he's nothing more than a high-end wide receiver four who, of course, has upside potential any given week because of his capabilities. But I'm not trusting him this week. I think you have better options that have more volume that are going to be able to get the production that you're looking for in this situation. Next game that we want to talk about here, Tennessee Titans, Oakland Raiders. This should be a good game from a fantasy perspective because Tennessee Titans have a good defense, but key guys have been able to have good fantasy days. Tight ends have been okay. So Darren Waller, you can have a reasonable expectation for him this week. Tyrell Williams, he's always a threat to score a touchdown. Outside wide receivers have been able to be somewhat productive against the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill. I think that's everyone's question. Derek Henry, we know you're going to start him. He's been an RB1. He's going to continue to do so against Oakland. Ryan Tannehill has been everyone's question, right? Do we stream him? And the answer to that is that you could do a lot worse. I have Ryan Tannehill number 10 on the week. So I do have him inside of that QB1 type of territory where you can look to stream him. Look, the big thing about him, and it's kind of why I talked about Mitch Trubisky, why he might have streamability moving forward, is the rushing. Brian Tannehill hasn't had really a great game passing the football so far, but what he has been able to do is that he has been able to run. He has been able to throw multiple touchdowns in a single game. And as long as he's able to continue to do those things, he will have a high floor every single week. And in a great matchup against the Oakland Raiders, who are not very good, you can expect to see him once again to have a good floor for you. And I don't see why that would not continue with Ryan Tannehill. Or with, I should say, against the Oakland Raiders. So that's why I'm sitting here saying Ryan Tannehill is a lower-end streaming option. Do I feel good about it? No, I don't feel good about it. Because it's Ryan Tannehill. At any given moment, you could throw for 125 yards, one touchdown, two picks, not run the football, and then you're up, you know, you're up Craps Creek. That's the one thing we have to worry about. But in this matchup, the way he's playing as of late, with the way that offense has been playing as of late, I do think he presents a safe floor for you to be able to sink your teeth into. <clears throat> now, on the Oakland Raiders side of the ball, I'm sorry, I got a little mm, frog stuck in my throat or something right now. But on the Raiders side of the ball, you play Josh Jacobs, who's been absolutely great. He's been getting the workload. He's been one of the few workhorse backs all season long whenever he's been able to play. I expect him to continue to do well here. Yes, the Tennessee Titans are not the greatest matchup in the world for running backs, but Josh Jacobs has been able to stay consistent no matter the matchup so far, and they're not the most dominant run defense in the world. They're not like they scare you off of anybody. So obviously you have Jacobs there. All right, I talked. I did, I did talk about Jacobs there. I wanted to talk about Derek Carr real quick. That's what it was. I'm sorry. I want to talk about Derek Carr real quick. Because we know Waller, we know Tyra Williams. 
Do not stream Derek Carr this week. Now, I think after last week, I think after the last couple of weeks, actually, people are starting to come off the whole Derek Carr for streaming uh, fantasy playoffs hashtag that seemed to be going around a little bit here. It's not, it's not going to continue. Look, against the Tennessee Titans, like I said, it is a tougher defense. But the fact is, without Hunter Renfro, he has two options to throw the ball to. It's Tyra Williams, is Darren Waller. Outside of that, it becomes real limited real quick what he's going to be able to do. So Derek Carr becomes a non-fantasy factor. Really, all he's good for is making sure he keeps guys like Tyra Williams, guys like Darren Waller, fantasy relevant. But rolling along here, we still have a few more games to get to. Rolling along here, we got the Kansas City Chiefs. We got the New England Patriots up. And we got a lot of news on the Kansas City Chiefs side of the ball, right? Because we have Damian Williams, who is pretty much not going to play this week. He hasn't practiced at all. They kept trying to be optimistic. It's not going to happen. They signed Spencer Ware on Tuesday. That pretty much reflected the fact that some people want to say, oh, it's because Darrell Williams winds up going on IR. I'd say it's more to do with the fact that they don't think they're going to have Damian Williams either. Spencer Ware legitimately clouds the issues going on with the Kansas City Chiefs backfield right now as far as who to trust fantasy-wise. Well, I don't expect him to come in week one right away after he's been kind of on a long hiatus from the NFL thus far to suddenly just come in and have a big role. I still expect LaShawn McCoy to be the guy who winds up with the more with most of the carries at the end of the game. I remember last week Darwin Thompson came in because they had that game well in hand in the second half. So from midway through the third quarter on, it was all Darwin Thompson. That's why he's finished with such a high workload. But that wasn't that was all game flow. That wasn't what the game plan was going into it. Right now, if we had to bet, it would be LeSean McCoy who gets the most of the carries this week against the Patriots. I don't think you can play McCoy against the Patriots. I don't. I don't think you can play a Chiefs running back this week against the Patriots. Spencer Ware might have some kind of role. He knows his offense pretty well. And before he got injured, this was a guy who showed that he's capable in this type of offense especially to be able to produce at a pretty high level. And they've also shown that they don't want to overwork LaShawn McCoy. There's something else going on there. Whether he's aging very quickly before our eyes, that's very possible. And because of that, it doesn't look like he's somebody you can trust, and you don't love the matchup, of course, either. And I don't think you can trust Darwin Thompson either. Yes, Darwin Thompson finds himself in a situation without Damian Williams to be the main passing down back, but we've also seen in the past where that opportunity has arised, and he hasn't been able to do anything because... Once again, we realize that he's still not that great in pass catching. Or, I'm sorry, he's still not that great in pass protection, which is huge for rookie running backs. And he's already a smaller guy to begin with. So when, you're, when you find yourselves in that kind of a situation where you already have a smaller guy and he's not that good at pass protection, he's not going to be able to be out there as much as you would expect him to be. So really, for this game, I don't think there's a Chiefs running back that you can trust fantasy-wise at all. At all. It hurts me to say that. It's really a shame because somebody's going to score. One of these running backs are going to score. You know it's going to happen. And then you're going to be like, oh, well, they would have been fantasy relevant. I don't know who it's going to be. And anybody who tells you who knows it's going to be, you can say, well, McCoy is the main runner. Maybe he has the best chance of running one in. Has that really been the case? Has that really mattered? They've rotated running backs when they get in the goal line. It hasn't. So, yeah, maybe McCoy falls in the end zone because of the offense, because because he's the main runner this week. Or maybe he goes five carries for eight yards and doesn't have that touchdown to bail you out. All those are possibilities. That's why I'm saying you can't trust the Chiefs running back. You can't at all. And you really can't trust anybody besides the studs. Kelsey, Hill, Mahomes. 
That's it. For Chiefs offense to feel like you can only trust those three players, is, it's kind of it's a little weird of a feeling to say, but you can. Patriots have still played great defense, and the Chiefs offense has not looked like the Chiefs offense in a while. So as a result, you find yourself in a situation where you just go to your go-to guys. There's nobody else that you can trust in this matchup. On New England Patriots side of the ball, I'm playing James White in PPR and half-point PPR leagues in my flex at the very least. I mean, not just because he had the big game last week against Houston, but also because against the Kansas City Chiefs, that is going to be a mismatch for them. I also think Sony Michelle could have, in standard leagues at least, RB3 potential. Their offensive line is getting better. The problem is that I keep waiting for them to use the running game more, and that hasn't come to fruition yet. Now, maybe it will in this game. Maybe some of their big plan will be to try to keep the Chiefs' offense off the field, and that will be part of their game plan, so they're going to want to slow things down. Tom Brady hasn't looked very good. It would be smart to do so to try to get that running game going, your offensive line getting healthier. Using Sony Michelle, I think, for 20 carries is going to be the way to go. And I do think that was their game plan going into the Houston game, but because Houston got up on them so early, they had to abandon it. I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think this game is going to be more competitive, or at least I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to get out to a jackrabbit start. So as long as that is the case, Michelle should have RB3 value here. He should be in a situation where he could see 16 to 20 carries if things go his way. He should. Ha- it's a great matchup for him. He'll have a chance to score. So I do think he's somebody who has an opportunity for you guys in flex leagues. Outside of that, Julian Edelman is the only pass catcher for the Patriots I'm going to trust. And Tom Brady, I do have him kind of close to the top 12 here. I have him number 17 overall. It is an offense. You could see it like last week where he could take advantage in junk time. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me, but it's not something I want to trust. I don't have him as a QB1. I think there are better options that you can go to for this particular week than Tom Brady. It's James White. It's maybe Sony Michelle. It's Julian Edelman. Outside of that, it's nobody else. I'm not trusting Muhammad Sanu right now. The target share is not there. I'm not trusting. Obviously, Nikhil Harry is not in a prominent place in this offense either. Philip Dorsett may be back this week. We'll have to see what happens there. But right now, not counting on it and not counting on him either. It's Julian Edelman, James White, Sony Michelle. That's it. That's it. Can't trust anybody else in your playoff matchups for this game. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Rolling along here. We got the Pittsburgh and Arizona game. And we're not going to spend too much time in this game because there's not a lot of time to spend on. James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, they're already gone. They're already out. So you're not going to have them this week. Can you fire up James Washington? Sure. Here's the thing about James Washington, which nobody seems to want to recognize because everyone, all summer long, all we heard about was people were so excited about James Washington and his ability, what he's going to bring and and what his fantasy potential could be. And I was the only one, I felt like at least the only one, who kept saying over and over and over again, he's a one-trick pony, he's not a very good wide receiver, he's never going to have a high-volume target share. Now, they've had a lot of weird things happen this this year. Ben Robesberger wasn't playing. They had to suffer through Mason Rudolph. Now they have Duck Hodges, who up until this year, you know, up until a few games ago, had never even heard of this guy before. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. So, yes, a lot of weird things have happened. It's not all James Washington's fault. But heading into this week, is he a potential boom option yes he is he is a potential boom option he has potential against this defense especially to have that big play he's had that big play the last two weeks in a row Doc Hodges shows that he is willing to be aggressive and throw the football down the field but here's two things I would caution you with, and they're, and they're in the same mold he's only had four targets apiece the last two weeks so the volume hasn't really been there and last week Deontay Johnson while only having one catch had five targets so he out-targeted James Washington last week so it wasn't automatic that James Washington was the number one targeted wide receiver. He's not putting up big points because he's getting all this volume. He's putting up big points because he's gotten that big play. Now, against the Arizona Cardinals, there's as much of a chance to have a big play against them as there is anybody else. Anybody else. So I'm not telling you you can't play James Washington. If you feel like you need to take a flyer on somebody, he's a pretty good one to take that chance on in this matchup. But don't play him with the expectation that you have a budding wide receiver two on your hands because the volume is not there to support that. That's where I'm, I'm trying to exercise caution with you guys. Benny Snell is a flex play. He is. He's going to be the main rusher again this week. I expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to be able to pretty much control this game. I think defensively they're going to be too much for the Cardinals offense in this week. So they should be able to stick with the running game. That means they should be able to stick with Benny Snell. I don't think you're going to see too much of Jalen Samuels. You only saw as much as him last week because they wound up going down early in that game. And we'll see, you know, it's part of it's going to be game flow like it is every week with these guys. But we know James Conner, Snell having a decent matchup last week, this being a good matchup to begin with against the Arizona Cardinals. I do expect him to have at least a flex appeal for you this week, no matter what your scoring format is. And I'm staying away from Jalen Samuels in the meantime. The one guy I want to really talk about here is Vance McDonald. You're looking at the tight end position. You're looking for somebody who has stream ability. He's been a huge disappointment this season. There's absolutely no doubt about it. He's going to still have a low floor just because of his production of what that has been this season, what his volume share has been. But against the Arizona Cardinals, they find a way to make irrelevant tight ends relevant. Just watching Tyler Higby go for 100 yards, a guy who has been the blocker for this team all season long. Yes, there was no Gerald Everett, so he was in a more prominent role. 
but it still should not have mattered to the extent where he goes for 100 yards in a game, something he's never done before. Vance McDonald's my number five tight end on the week. Just and this is purely based on matchup. So if you're looking to stream somebody and you want when you want to find areas to take a home run shot at, playing Vance McDonald against the Arizona Cardinals might be that sneaky home run shot that a lot of people aren't thinking about that you can go ahead possibly pick up because he's out there in a lot of waiver wires and play and actually have an advantage at the tight end position that you haven't had all season long. Just given the situation, so Vance McDonald could wind up being a week winner this week. On the Cardinal side of the ball, Kenyon Drake's a starting running back. Still don't love it. I mean, as a flex play in half-point, full-point PPR leagues because he's getting worked in the passing game, he does have a floor there. But against this tough Pittsburgh team, against a, with a team that has not been able to run the football particularly effectively, consistently at least, with not a good offensive line and a Steelers defense that has been playing pretty well, I don't know how much you want to trust them here. And he's the only running back, by the way. We saw that David Johnson's clearly the backup. Chase Edmonds coming out of the bye in a week that he should have been healthy wasn't involved at all. Now, I don't expect that to be the case. I do expect him to be involved at least a little bit this game. But it's clear that Kenyon Drake is the starter moving forward, which means you hold on to him, but I don't think he's a must-play this week against this matchup. I don't think anybody on the Arizona Cardinals is a must-play. You're talking about Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. These are guys that have been widely inconsistent, especially as of late with the volume share they've had been inconsistent with the production that they've had. This team hasn't been very aggressive. Kyler Murray's actually struggled to throw over 200 yards for a lot of games as of late, too. And I'm not playing Kyler Murray this week. He's 100% dependent on what he gives you with his legs if you're playing him in fantasy football. 100% dependent on his legs. So if he doesn't run a ton, and this is a defense that has some speed, this is a defense that can contain a quarterback, if he doesn't run a ton, I don't know what kind of fantasy floor you're looking at here. He's not going to give you a ton through the air. That much is for sure. Not in this matchup, not with the way they've played offense as of late. And I have Kyler Murray ranked 25th this week amongst quarterbacks. That should tell you all you need to know about what I think about Kyler Murray. Yes, he's been a QB1 for most of this season. Yes, it hasn't always been pretty. But I do not not like this matchup for him. And he has been somebody who has been mostly a streaming quarterback option for those teams that are in the playoffs now that have him anyway. And I think there's other streaming options that you can go to, especially if I have him ranked 25th at the position this particular week. Rolling along here, coming up, we got the Sunday night game. Seattle Seahawks, Los Angeles Rams. It's going to be a big divisional matchup, going to be a big game of the week. Can the Rams continue the success that they had against the Arizona Cardinals? And not Rams fans aren't the only, only ones who want to know that. Fantasy fans want to know if that's possible as well. Because you find yourselves in a situation like all of a sudden, like, oh, wait. Seattle is a plus matchup for passing games. They have been below average all season long. Jared Goff is through for 400 yards. I'm not saying you can trust Jared Goff. What I am saying is that the offense, yes, they look good. Yes, it was Arizona. Watching the film, it was the first time all season long that Sean McVay looked like he actually ran his offense. Actually ran levels in the passing game, ran screens, ran zone run run schemes, actually looked like the Rams' offense. And I'm not just talking about the production. I'm not just talking about the fact that they had an easy matchup. The actual play calling was different. And what we've been waiting for all season long. They're finally using Todd Gurley more. 
Uh, he's still not involved in the passing game nearly as much as he should be, but he's becoming the workhorse back over the past few weeks as they are down to the wire. I mean, this game really is a make or break for the Rams to keep their playoff hopes alive. It really is. And it's at home. So Jared Goff to me is somebody who has some sneaky upside potential. Now, having said that, I still don't have him ranked very high. I still have him ranked 23rd. But he would be that guy there who a lot of the guys there, Jared Goff, you know, Andy Dalton, Kyle Allen, these are all guys that are about the same territory. And I would say of those guys, Jared Goff has the most potential. So if you're in deeper leagues, 14, 16 team leagues, you might be finding yourself in a situation where Jared Goff could wind up being a sneaky little sleeper for you this week. There's other options to go to, and I'm not recommending you have to play him, but it's somebody who I'm not going to shy away from playing him this week. I like Robert Woods in this matchup. I like Cooper Cup in this matchup. The guy I'm not playing is Brandon Cooks. Even before he was injured, he was still not as involved in the offense. We haven't really seen him have a great game at all this season. It's been unfortunate. He is a very good wide receiver. He's been dealing with the concussion injuries, but right now he doesn't have a target share within this offense that you can trust to play. But I am going to play Woods. I am going to play Cup. We're still waiting to see if Gerald Everett's going to be able to play this week. He's always a streaming option. He still would be against the Seattle Seahawks in this game if he can go. And then, of course, Todd Gurley, who's an RB2. And Todd Gurley's found himself in a situation where he's no longer a touchdown-dependent RB2. He is just an RB2 who has RB1 potential now if he scores touchdowns. Because now he's finally getting his workload. Now he's finally getting back to getting hovering around 20-plus touches a game. And I expect that to continue as long as the Rams are in the hunt. So really, for fantasy purposes, if you have Todd Gurley, you really want the Rams to actually win this game to keep him in that role for sure the rest of the season. I'm not saying he definitely would come out of that role, but as long as they're in the playoff hunt, there's no doubt in my mind that they will continue to use him as a workhorse back because they have to. So you want them to win this game moving past this week, you know, if you're in a position to actually win this week. Hopefully you are by listening to the show. That's what we work for. All right, so on the Seahawks side of the ball, I'm not going to go over who you're going to play. Chris Carson, yes. Is Rashad Penny a flex play? Yes, but I don't love it. Because it is, it's just as likely that this winds up turning into a game where the Seahawks have to throw where Chris Carson gets hot, where they decide to go back to what they did for most of the season and not play Rashad Penny. Now, because he's done it two weeks in a row, there is a lot more there's a lot more evidence here, obviously, of being it's two weeks instead of one game. But though also there's a lot more confidence that you can have when it comes to talking about Rashad Penny being in your flex opportunities. And there was the first week. Because the first week was the first time we had seen it happen. You can't go off of that. Now that it's been two weeks in a row where he has been heavily involved, you do know now that he has a role that you could possibly play him in the flex. Here's the thing, though. Last week went the Seahawks' way as far as running the football. And it was a high-scoring game. So it's not to say that they couldn't still stick with the running game and do what they did last week and this still be a high-scoring game this week against the Rams and they can still put up points. It's not what I'm saying. But most games that are high-scoring, most games have a lot of points scored, are not going to go that way where your running backs are able to run it. Between Carson and Rashad Penny, we're able to run it combined 38 times, and as effectively as they did. Now, the Rams' defense is not a great run defense, but they have been playing much better defense as of late. So I don't expect them to have the success that they had a week ago. 
But Rashad Penny can be a flex play if that's something you're looking to do. But I do think there are other options. I just trust more heading into this matchup that are not so game script dependent. As far as Tyler Lockett goes, that's the other question that everyone's asking. What do you do with this guy? I think you have to play him. I do not think Jalen Ramsey's going to shadow him. Tyler Lockett lines up in the slot quite a bit. Jalen Ramsey typically, even when he has shadowed in years past in Jacksonville, which wasn't that often, he's not somebody who's going to go in the slot to shadow a wide receiver. I think this might be a game where you see the Rams kind of play Jalen Ramsey to one side. Or maybe if he's going to shadow anybody, it would wind up being DK Metcalf. But I don't think you're going to see Ramsey follow Lockett into the slot. So that part of it I'm not as worried about as some people are. What I am concerned about is that ever since he hurt his shin, he hasn't been involved. He's been out in the field, he's been active, but he hasn't been involved. And it's not like he's not converting on his opportunities. He's not getting opportunities. Now, he does look a little bit slower. He doesn't look like 100% himself, not his 100% explosive self. But this has been a guy who's been a wide receiver too, a high floor wide receiver too at that all season long. And this week, I don't know that you can trust him. It's going to be hard-pressed to find somebody better. You could definitely do a hell of a lot worse than Tyler Lockett. But given the way he has played as of late, I think he has to be considered more of a low-end wide receiver three because the target share hasn't been there. I have him ranked in half-point PPR leagues this is. I have him ranked 32 at the wide receiver position this week. It's been a good Ram secondary as of late, and he has just not had the volume. I don't know if there's a Seahawks wide receiver you have to play in this game because I don't feel particularly strong about DK Metcalf, who I do think is going to see Jalen Ramsey quite a bit in this game in his own right. Russell Wilson I have a lot lower. Now, the thing with Russell Wilson is I expect him to run around a lot. I expect him to be able to give you a high floor. And that's why I still have him the number six quarterback on the week. So what I'm telling you is that he's still going to be a QB one. He's still going to be able to do his thing. And... You don't, as a quarterback, as long as you're able to run and do the things that, you're, that Russell Wilson's able to do, throw for a lot of passing touchdowns, you don't have to have a highly productive yardage game. You don't have to have a high proficient game. You don't have to have the players around you, or your receivers especially, do great for you to perform well. I know Russell Wilson's been a little bit hit or miss as of late, but I do expect him to run in this game. I do expect him to use his legs. I do expect him to throw for at least a couple passing touchdowns, which is why I have him number six quarterback on the week, even in a tougher matchup. Next game, rolling along, last game that we're going to talk about before going into the mailbag segment. Remember, if you are watching this on Sportscaster and you have a fantasy football question, you can go ahead and drop it in the chat, and I will answer it as part of the show at the very end here. So right after this game, the Giants and the Eagles. Eli Manning is back in town. Unbelievable. Daniel Jones, out of nowhere, came as a shock to us all. All of a sudden, Wednesday, he's walking around with a walking boot, and we find out that he had a high ankle sprain. So all of a sudden, now we find ourselves in a situation, great. All the weapons are coming back for the Giants. Golden Tate is practicing. He's going to be back. Evan Ingram is practicing. He's going to be back. Sterling Shepard is back. You have Darius Slayton, who's been emerging. You have Saquon Barkley, who is there. All of the weapons for the Giants are finally we're going to be healthy for this game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And Eli Manning is going to be the quarterback. Oof. Oof. It's going to be interesting. He's going to be fired up. And you know what? If I'm, in playing, if I'm playing DFS this week, I think I'd fire up Eli Manning. 
I do. Look, it's a great match against the Philadelphia Eagles. We all know that. Their secondary is putrid. And for those of you who thought, like, oh, well, wait, their defense is playing a lot better as of late. The secondary is coming along. Blah, 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 blah. And then you saw last week Ryan Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker and what they did against that secondary. Is it really? Is it really? Or do sometimes teams have spells where they just play better for a couple of weeks on one side of the ball or the other. We saw the Falcons do it. We've seen Tampa Bay Buccaneers do it for the last couple of weeks. Still have terrible defenses. It still hasn't changed. Still a plus matchup. And with the Giants, woo. now Eli Manning, to be clear here, he is not he's not a streaming guy for me in redraft leagues. So if you're sitting here talking playoff football, no, 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 no. I'm talking about DFS. You want to take a flyer on somebody? It would just It would not shock me if he came out with 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns against Philadelphia Eagles, it just wouldn't it wouldn't shock me with the way that they have played as of late. I have him ranked number 16 on the week. I do, I can't believe it. But with all the weapons back going against this Philadelphia Eagle team, crazier things have happened. It's on Monday Night Football. I hate Eli Manning as much as anybody else. People, I'm just saying, it's it's going to be interesting. Now, everyone else you play, uh, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, yes. You fire up Evan Ingram. I'm not worried about him being a re-injury. He stayed out long enough where he should be as close to 100% as he's ever possibly going to be. Evan Ingram is a guy who has a top five potential any given week at the tight end position. You you have to play those guys. So he should be in your lineups. The receivers is where... No idea, because you have so many variables, right? This is going to be the first time that you're going to have Shepard, Tate, Ingram, and Darius Slayton all healthy playing at the same time. You have Eli Manning, who's going to be playing. It's not Daniel Jones. So all of a sudden, you have a quarterback that you know likes to attack the middle of the field and likes to dump it down to the running back, where Daniel Jones was taking more shots on the outside. So that changes everything. Stealing Shepard, to me, odd man out. Darius Slayton, to me, odd man out. I think it's going to be Golden Tate who plays mo- who plays more of the slot when both him and Sterling Shepard are on the field. I think it's going to be Evan Ingram. And I think it's going to be Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley finds himself now in a situation against the Philadelphia Eagles where he should see a lot more targets because Eli Manning checks the ball down a lot more. He's going to target Saquon Barkley a lot more. So if you've been frustrated by Barkley not getting the ball enough in the passing game, stress no more because he is going to get his checkdowns. And the great thing about this is that this isn't the only game that Eli's going to play here. If Daniel Jones truly has a high ankle sprain, he might be done for the rest of the season because there's only four games left. So we might be seeing Eli for the next month. It's a real possibility. We'll see. Right now, we're just focusing on this week. And outside of Golden Tate, outside of Evan Ingram, I'm not going to trust anybody else as far as the pass catchers go. And then Saquon Barkley, that's it. I'm going to leave Shepard. I'm going to leave Darius Slayton on the bench. As far as the Eagle game goes, with these guys here, here's what we have. You have to play Carson Wentz. I told you guys that last week. Carson Wentz was my number one quarterback. He had a great game last week. Great game against Miami Dolphins. He can still, as long as he has at least Alshon Jeffrey, at least Zach Ertz, at least Dallas Goddard, he can still put up good production against bad defenses, which is what the Giants are. So he's going to be good. He's going to be fine. So he played Carson Wentz. I'm trying to look at it now, and I have him I have him number one again this week. I do. And I think I talked about that earlier because I have a lot of quarterbacks 
with the matches they've had, there's not in a situation where they are going to be able to put up as much production this week. Like I'm not as high on the quarterbacks in general this week as I normally would be. But with Carson Wentz here, you have a great matchup. Alshon's there. Zach Ertz should be a bit healthier. He's been able to practice on a, on a more consistent basis here. You have Goddard. You have the Giants defense. He should be able to put up points like he did last week against Miami. I don't see why he wouldn't be. Now, next up, we got to talk about is Miles Sanders. Jordan Howard's not clear for contact. So Miles Sanders, again, is should be the workhorse back. We've seen the last few weeks in a row that Jay Ajayi is not really involved in this game, is not really involved in this offense. He's there purely as a depth guy, and that's it. That's it. That's all. So Miles Sanders finds himself where he should be the workhorse back. Again, he should be worked in the passing game, and he's in a plus matchup. With an offensive line that may be healthier this week. We're still waiting to see on Lane Johnson, but may be healthier this week. So Miles Sanders, to me, is a high-end RB3, or no, excuse me, a low-end RB2 with upside this week and should be in your lineups. And, of course, you got to fire up Alshon Jeffrey. He's a high-end wide receiver three with wide receiver two type of potential. You saw last week what he can do, especially with a high-volume share in his favor. I expect that to be exactly the same this week again, too. Exactly the same. That wraps up the Week 14 preview. So if you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, please go back on your favorite podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker. You can go to the website, www.mdffshow.com. It's available to you pretty much everywhere. The Sportscaster video, uh, both we did two videos yesterday, are available to you on sportscaster.com at mdffbellyupusn. You can get it there. So make sure you check it out because I had all the early games if you if you missed that episode. So go back and check that out. But that wraps up our preview for the first round of the playoffs. Hopefully the advice will get you there. Hopefully the advice will get MD Nation wins and you will be back next week for that too. Now it's time for the mailbag segment here. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Again, if you're listening on Sportscaster, or you're watching on Sportscaster, I should say, if you have a fantasy football question, now is the time to drop it, and I will answer it. But right now, I have some pre-selected questions from people who got in contact with me on social media throughout the week that I selected to be on the show, whether it was from Twitter, at MDSFFshow, whether it was from Facebook, at MDFFshow, or whether it was from direct email through the website, www.mdffshow.com. First up, we have Boogie from Twitter. He asked me, Darius Geis, Miles Sanders, or Joe Mixon, PPR League? I think it has to be Joe Mixon. He has a great match against Cleveland Browns. He proved last week that with Andy Dalton in, they are going to stick with him being the workhorse back. That offense looked competent. It's a divisional matchup. Miles Sanders is very close to me, but I think Joe Mixon just has more of a gameplay breaking ability right now and more trustworthiness at the goal line to not only get the carries, but to convert. So I have him slightly ahead of Michael Sanders, but I don't think you could make a wrong decision between those two. It's really a matter of who do you think has a higher ceiling because both of them have really high floors. And I think the higher ceiling this week, at least, is going to be Joe Mixon. I do. 
Garfields from Twitter asked me, Ryan Tannehill or Josh Allen this week? This is a good one because you're talking about two quarterbacks. Right now, Josh Allen's been on fire. So it's kind of hard to kind of go away from him at the moment. But Ryan Tannehill's been on fire too. And with Josh Allen having the matchup that he does, I think you have to look no further and say, you know what? I don't expect Josh Allen to do great against Baltimore. I don't expect him to be able to give you the normal floor that he would rushing the football. I do, however, expect him to be able to throw interceptions against the Baltimore Ravens. I do expect them to be in a tough situation time in and time out. I do expect them to struggle in the passing game. So guess what? It's Ryan Tannehill for me. It is. I have Josh Allen actually ranked 30th amongst quarterbacks this week. I don't think they has a good game against the Baltimore. This is, and it's purely matchup. Yes, he's been hot. He's been playing well. They've had some tough matchups. But right now, with the, Ravens, with the way the Ravens are playing football on both sides of the ball right now, 49ers are the, the only team that we saw them be able to even contain them. And even that wasn't enough. I don't expect Josh Allen to have a good game here. I don't. Ryan Tannehill against Oakland, not only is it a better matchup, but he's in a situation where he's playing right now that he has a higher floor. And when you're talking about Ryan Tannehill and Josh Allen, you're, t- you're looking for a quarterback who has a floor. And Tannehill by far has the higher floor right now. Ackner from Facebook asked me, Marvin Jones or Debo Samuel in a half-point PPR? This is a no-brainer. It's Marvin Jones. I've warned, all of, I've warned a lot of people about Debo Samuel this entire week. Another guy in another situation who had a lot of production on very few targets. Emmanuel Sanders continues to get healthier. You're going up against a tough Saints defense in New Orleans, who even without Marshawn Lattimore has played really well against wide receivers. And even though Debo Samuel scored last week, he only had two targets. That's it. I'm not trusting that in my fantasy playoffs. And Marvin Jones has been a touchdown phenom over the past four or five weeks now. And it hasn't mattered who the quarterback is. And he had a touchdown with David Blau last week. And he has a much better matchup against a Minnesota Vikings secondary that has been ripe for the taking as of late. Yeah, Kenny Galladay is going to get his targets, but so is Marvin Jones. And he's going to get targeted in the red zone. He's just a guy who has a much better chance for not just a touchdown, but be more involved in his offense in general. I'm going Marvin Jones hands down over Debo Samuel there. That's going to wrap up the show for today. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We will be back for our normal recap episode on Monday. Now, keep in mind, that will be from the mobile studio, so that will not be available on Sportscaster, but it will be available on your favorite podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, Stitchers, Pinecast, Spreaker, wherever you like to go. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. I want to wish all of you a good luck. I hope all of you win your matchups, and you're all back next week. Even if you're out of the playoffs, come back next week. And we'll talk some fantasy football. We'll talk some DFS. There's still a lot of things to look forward to as we close down the season. I hope you guys all have a wonderful weekend. And I will see you on Monday. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 